Well, good morning, 11 a.m. How are you doing this morning? All right, that's all right. That's all right. We'll take it. Welcome to you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City. For those of you who are packed into this room, those of you who are in our overflow spaces, those of you who are actually uh, streaming and watching live right now, literally around the world, uh, we're so glad that you took time to be present with God and that you've opened your heart, your life, your schedule to hear what God has to say to you. And that really is our hope for you, that you would experience God's love and that you would be challenged and transformed by how and where he is leading you. We're in a teaching series called Willing Over Wanting. And we're looking at this kind of resolution season where we make lots of resolutions around our life. And what's the difference between making resolutions and keeping them, making goals and plans and dreams for our life and actually keeping them and seeing them happen. And we've been using these two words that there are, just about all of us have areas in our life where we're wanting to see growth and change in our life. And when it comes to resolutions, for those of you who make them, making a resolution is wanting. That's a very important place to start. But what we started looking at last week is the difference between making a resolution and keeping a resolution is willingness. You actually have to be willing to do what only you can do to take radical responsibility for your one and only life, whatever that may look like, however it is that God may be leading you. And as, again, we're in resolution season, it shouldn't be any surprise to you that as I've kind of done research and looked at the list that people make and how they make them and why they make them, it should be no surprise that what typically comes in at number one on everyone's resolutions list, anyone want to take a guess what it is? We'll lose weight, eat healthy. I mean, no shocker, right? That well, I want to lose weight, I want to eat healthy, I want to work out more. That would be another one. Well above any of the other things that appear on our resolution list are eating healthy, working out, losing weight. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today, more on the healthier side of approach in our life. And I just want to say a word before I get into that. What we're not going to be talking about today is body shape, body size, body condition. This is not about shame. This is not about guilt. This is not about obligation. The world has plenty of that to offer. We're here today because those things aren't from God. We're here today to hear from God and be encouraged and challenged to take radical responsibility with our body, whatever that may look like. And I want to tell you as one of your pastors, this message is as much for me as it is for you. Make sense? Well, there's a story I've been wanting to tell you for a while now, and I, we'll see if it fits in here in a second. I, I've been waiting to tell you this story, and you, you may not believe it, but I, I, th something happened this last summer, uh, and I finally got permission from the guy to tell you this story. Gene and I were out in California taking a little family break. We spent some time together as a couple, and I was able to reconnect with uh, an old friend who's been very, very, very successful in this world. And we were going to get together. He said, hey, I'm really excited. Uh, I just got a new car. I'll bring it, and I want to show it to you. Fantastic. Go ahead. Bring your car. What I didn't know was that he didn't just buy any car. He bought a 2017 Bugatti Chiron. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know anything about that car. It's an amazing car. In fact, I brought a picture just to kind of show you, give you a sense of uh, him in front of his car. We can go ahead and put that up on the screen. Um, now, come on. That's a beautiful car, isn't it? You don't even have to be a car person to go, I think that's objectively a beautiful <laughs> car. Like under the hood, what you can't see is that it has 1,500 horsepower in that engine. Now, for those of you who don't really know much about cars, our Honda Pilot has 250 horsepower. <laughs> so it's safe to say a little bit more. 
it actually has a top speed of 261 miles an hour. It goes from 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. And the base price of a 2017 Bugatti Chiron is $2,998,000. That's base price. That doesn't even include like the heated seats and the six-disc CD changer or whatever else you want to upgrade to. That's base price. And so, uh, like anyone here ever ridden in a Bugatti Chiron before? Anyone? Uh, okay. Any, well, so I was going to say, has anyone here ever driven a Bugatti Chiron before? Okay. So imagine how it felt when he handed me the keys and said, why don't you take it out for the next hour? And he very wisely decided to actually uh, go with me. And um, <laughs> driving around in a piece of automotive engineering perfection like that, look, I'm not a car guy, this car makes you a car person. Just driving around in it. And do you think maybe in driving a $3 million car, you would take it easy around the corners? Just a little bit. I mean, just a little bit around that. It's safe to say that for that hour, it was the slowest Bugatti on planet <laughs> Earth. It's very safe to say. I don't even think we got up to 60. I had no idea. Just very safe to say. And again, it, it's amazing. It, you know, we have, a, I'm grateful for the car we have. We have a nice car. We have a Honda Pilot. It's nice. <laughs> it's not Bugatti nice, but it's nice. If you owned a $3 million, okay, if you owned a $3 million car, how would you feel about driving it around the city of Chicago? No. How would you feel about parking it in the city of Chicago? No. You would take extra special care, only have like certain roads and certain hours that you took it out on. It is an unbelievable thing to think about driving a $3 million car. Now, you want to know what the best part, the most amazing part of that whole story that I just told you is? I just made that whole story up, 100% from top to bottom. I have never driven a Bugatti Chiron before. I don't even know who that guy is. I just found that, I found that picture on the internet. I just thought it was like the only picture I could find of it. I just thought, oh, this would be pretty cool. It's a real car. I've just never driven one. I should say I'm open. I'm open to driving one. I've never driven one. And the whole reason I just made up that whole story, now you still may be trying to recover from the fact that your pastor just lied to you for the last five minutes. But the whole reason I made up that whole story is to get you to feel what you felt when you considered the value of a $3 million car and how you might treat that car, and then to consider how amazing it is, actually, the invaluable gift that you've been given in your physical body. It far outweighs any Bugatti. Your body makes that Bugatti look like an 88 Chevy Cavalier, okay? It is an amazing piece of perfection that God has actually designed for you to use, utterly invaluable, perfectly and precisely designed, intricately and intentionally crafted and created by God himself. In fact, I want to tell you a couple things that I can't make up about your body that you may or may not even know are actually true of your body right now. Do you know that in your brain right now, messages travel in your brain at up to 200 miles an hour all throughout your body? It's almost as fast as a Bugatti. That's actually happening right now. Do you know if you were to take your DNA and uncoil your DNA, do you know that your, just your DNA would stretch 10 billion miles you could go from here to Mars and back with just your DNA. 
Did you know that your skeleton, this is amazing, this is like some comic book Wolverine stuff, your skeleton completely renews itself every 10 years. Isn't that amazing? And did you know that your bones are actually five times stronger than a steel bar of the same width? That right now in your brain, it contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections all happening as I talk, as you see, as you listen, as you're experiencing this. That's all happening right now in this moment. And your eye can actually distinguish between, this is amazing, 10 million different colors. The brain can't even always process all the spectrum of colors that your eyes are seeing. Do you know that today you will actually take 23,040 breaths today and you probably won't even think about it? And did you know, <laughs> and this one's gross, that you will shed one and a half pounds of skin every year and over the course of your lifetime, you will shed 100 pounds of skin. That is not only true, it's disgusting. And if you thought it was funny what I just shared to you about the skin, it actually took you 17 muscles within your mouth to form a smile. And if you didn't appreciate what I just shared with you or you're still mad about me making up the Bugatti story, it actually takes 43 muscles in your jaw for you to frown. All of that is happening in real time in your body. Listen, your body is a masterful work that works masterfully. Did you know that? That your body is a masterful work of God that works masterfully. Not perfectly for all of us, certainly not, but it's a piece of masterful design that works wonderfully, masterfully throughout your ordinary everyday life. So why is it then that I would have more reverence for a car I've never even driven than I would for my own body that I've been given? Why is it that you would feel different about any physical thing that anyone can make rather than how you would about your body, your physical body that only God can make? See, I think when it comes to health and whether we're wanting or willing to take responsibility for our bodies, I think what we actually need is not motivation like pumping you up. I think we actually need a better why. Why does it actually matter that I care for the body that God has given me. So I want to help paint that picture for you. So to do so, would you grab a Bible, please? And we're going to open up and study a passage together in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have a Bible with you, awesome. If not, we should have one right there in front of your seat or in the seat back right in front of you. You can go ahead and grab a Bible and turn to page 927 in the Soul City Bible. That'll help you get there a little bit faster. We're going to try and get a better why behind our bodies so that we can actually move from wanting to willing with the bodies that God has given us. 1 Corinthians 6, and uh, let me give you some context as to where we're coming at. Paul is writing a letter to a church in the city of Corinth, a pretty major kind of cultural, spiritual center of its day. In fact, in the city of Corinth, uh, they had all kinds of spiritual worship around the body, all sorts of uh, really kind of intense and messed up views of the body and abuse of the body and devaluing of human lives. And so Paul is kind of speaking directly into that culture by painting a bigger picture and giving a better why when it comes to our bodies. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, do you not know that your bodies are what? Your bodies are temple. Okay, so let's all say it together because it's on the screen and it's in the book, so we'll all try it together. Let's use all the things with your brain and your eyes and all this stuff. We're going to use them together right now. Do you not know that your bodies are what? Temple. 
temples. Now, that's really important. He's making a big point. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Why was that so important to say? Because in that city, in that culture, in that day, people would go to temples and physically offer their bodies. They would offer all kinds of things. And Paul said, no, you don't have to go to a temple to worship. Your body is a temple created by God to actually house the Holy Spirit within you. And he says, the Holy Spirit is in you, whom you have received from God. And then this is really important. He says this, you are not your own. You are not your own. You actually come from, belong to the God of the universe. He says this in verse 20, you were bought at a price. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. You were bought at a price. Therefore, he says, because of that, that your body is a temple, that God actually lives inside of you, that you're not your own, that God actually bought this life for you at a price. Because of that, he says, we should honor God with our bodies. You should look to honor God with your bodies. Paul's making a really, really, really big point here when it comes to how we view and how we use and even at times abuse our bodies. He's saying, no, your body is actually a gift from God. And when you say yes to Jesus, this amazing thing happens. You say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit actually somehow enters into your physical body, that all of a sudden this physical thing becomes a spiritual thing. And that the God of the universe decides to take up residence in your body, your physical body that he actually created. There's a whole lot more going on here than I think we even realize or give God credit for. This is probably why Pierre Teilhard de Chardin said this. He said that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're spiritual beings with the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are a spiritual being having a physical, a human experience. Before you wrestle with what you really, really want to do when it comes to your one and only body or what you're actually really willing to do when it comes to your body, you've really got to wrestle with why. Why should you care about your body? Why does it matter what you do with your body or with your physical health? Why is it that you should actually love the body that God has given you? Paul would say because God loves your body. He's decided to actually take up residence in your body. Your body actually matters to God. In fact, if your physical body didn't matter to God, then Jesus would not have taken physical form in a physical body. That's how much God went, the extent that God went to show us how much he loves us. Jesus took on a physical form, a physical body. And so if our bodies matter that much to God, then maybe, just maybe, they should matter a little bit more to me. should matter a little bit more to you, that I want my body to be a place where the Holy Spirit not only dwells, but, but moves, that I am literally, I am creating a space for the Spirit of God to dwell and to move through my life for as long as I have a body. It's a powerful thing to consider, the responsibility that each of us are invited into when it comes to the space we create, what we do, how we view our bodies. Let me put it this way. How many of you have ever gotten into an Uber or a Lyft? And I know lots of us have gotten in, and maybe you've gotten into one and it's been maybe a mess before, or the music's playing really loud, or they're on a call on speakerphone with a friend, and you just are invited into their world. 
right? We've all kind of had that. I know we have a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers in our church. So what I experienced, maybe you have too, you ever gotten into one that was like clean, <laughs> you know, and, and not loud and quiet. And like, it was like this little space. This actually happened. The very last Uber ride that I took, I got in the car and it was like, it was clean. It was nice. And it was quiet. He greeted me and said, hello. And I noticed on the seat back where I was sitting, he had these little, like, little hooks, these little bars, and there were little snacks, little <laughs> pretzels and chips and peanuts all hanging there. And I'm looking at him going, well, this, okay, what's this about? And then I looked in the sides of the back doors, and there was water, and there was, like, a soda, and there was oranges. I'm like, so I asked him, I said, what's going on back here with the vending machine? Like, what's going on, like... <laughs> This, what's going on? He goes, oh, I just thought that maybe if someone were riding in my car, maybe they'd want a snack or maybe they'd want a drink, so I just do this for all my riders. I said, well, like, does your boss tell you? I asked him, like, did your boss tell you to do that? He's like, no, I just thought, like, that's what I'd want if I got in the car. Okay, that's someone who gets it. And I'm going to be honest with you, the car wasn't a Bugatti. Okay, it's just an ordinary, everyday car, but he created a space in that place. And that's what you and I are actually invited to do, to use our bodies to create a space, a temple, for the Holy Spirit of God to actually dwell. And that what we see here in a second from Paul is that your body is not just a vessel that God inhabits. It's the vehicle through which God moves in this world. Jump ahead to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Just a couple pages up. You can jump to page 929 in the Soul City Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is continuing in the same letter to the same church, making this same point about our physical bodies, how we view and use and even at times abuse our bodies and how we can have a better why, a bigger purpose for our bodies. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says this, he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And we would all say, yeah, that's how races work. And so how many of you, just by show of hands, have ever run in a 5K, a half marathon, or a marathon? Go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, look, look at y'all. You should be proud of yourselves. Everyone gets a medal. Um, but you know that like when you ran that race, okay, now here's what I want you to do. Be really honest because you've earned it. If you've ever won a 5K, a half marathon, or a marathon, raise your hand. Go ahead and earn it. You need to raise it way higher than that because we are very proud of you. That's amazing. Don't be shy. That's amazing. We celebrate that, right? And that's the whole reason that lots of people, not certainly not everyone, get into a race. Like, yeah, I kind of want to win. I mean, that's what I'm doing. Paul says, yeah, that's the whole point of this thing. They, they run to actually win, to get the prize. And so Paul says that's how we should approach our lives, as if we're going after a prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. He says this in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, that they're actually willing to go into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. See, we have a greater purpose. We have a better why behind it. Paul says, therefore, that's why I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. He's kind of just painting a picture here. And maybe you've been at the gym and you've seen someone on a machine and you're like, oh, no, that is not how you use that. Those, those are not for that. You ever seen that or seen those online? That's kind of what he's saying. It's like you can run aimlessly and kind of like, I'm doing it, I'm exercising. Or box kind of at the air. He goes, no, 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 that's not what I do. No, 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 no. That's wanting. I want to run. I want to take care of my body. I want to. That's wanting. That's fine. It's a great place to start. It's full of high on dreams and desires, but oftentimes lacks a plan or purpose. It lacks a clear and compelling why. That's wanting to be healthy. Paul says, look, this is what I do. Verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave 
so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I will not miss out on all that God has for me. This is obviously extreme language, but Paul's making an extreme point here. He's making a very big point here. That our bodies are not just where God lives. That would be enough. But they're not just where God lives, but it's actually where God lives out his purpose for our lives. That while you and I are on earth, there's actually work to be done that we get to partner and participate with God in extending his love to others. There's work to be done while we're on earth. And while we're on earth, we've been given a physical body that actually works and helps us do the work of God to partner with God to extend his love to every single person. If, if you're willing, if you're really, really willing to take radical responsibility with your one and only body. Now, I have been sort of a living metaphor of the difference between wanting and willing when it comes to exercise. I've done it all for you. But I, I am someone who gets really inspired and gets really excited about taking responsibility with my life and getting, you know, I want to take care of my body, I want to take care of what I eat and how I do and I can get really fired up. And I want to give you an actual, like, living metaphor of what that looks like. And here it is right here. It's this bike. So a couple months ago, I was thinking about what we're going to be teaching here and thinking about my life and going, man, you know what I want to take? radical responsibility with my health. I want to, you know, kind of just do more than get through uh, every year. I want to I be responsible. And so I thought, you know, kind of, okay, what can I do to do that, sort of make it something that I could actually achieve? I thought, well, it'd be really cool if I had like a, a bike at home. And so I set a budget, okay, well, this is all that I have to spend on this. And so then I began to go into research mode. And so I began to read reviews and I began to watch videos and read articles and finally was able to find a bike that fit all of my criteria. And so I ordered, I ordered the bike and I got really excited when I hit purchase. It's like, I'm really doing it. I'm doing the work. I'm really, I'm really choosing <laughs> You know, maybe I, sh maybe I should get some new shoes to help me ride the bike better. Okay, so we'll get to that later. But the point is, I was really, really excited to get the bike. And here's the deal. It came to the house, and immediately when it came, I went down to the basement. I knew exactly where it was going to go, had everything all set up for it, and I began to put the bike together, set the bike up, put it all together, and got right on it and began to ride. And I'm not going to lie to you, it felt great sitting there, my bike, I purchased by clicking a button. And I put it together, and here it is, and I rode the bike that first night, and I thought, man, this is really what it's all about, man. I am, I'm living my best life now. I'm really, I'm really doing it. And so I was excited about how I was going to work out, you know, every day, five days a week. I was going to do it for 30 minutes. And so I got up the next morning, 6 a.m., got up the next morning, got on my bike and got work in. And I said, Lord, this is my act of worship to you, God. This is a temple. <laughs> And I am preparing. I felt fantastic. Knocked out 10 miles. Like I didn't even think about it. This is awesome. Man, this is really great. I didn't know it was going to be this easy. It's very, I'm inspiring myself just by riding the bike. Felt fantastic. Well, that week, I had a couple um, early morning meetings that came up that week. And so that kind of messed with the time that I thought I was going to work out. And then I had to travel that weekend. Wasn't able to ride the bike. and I mean, it was still set up. It was right where it was supposed to be. I just wasn't on it. <laughs> Went away, came back and thought, 
doggone it, no. I said I was going to do this. And so I got back on the bike, and I said, God, you delight in show and mercy. God, you take me right back. This is a reckless love that accepts me even after I haven't ridden for a week. And so I got right back on it, knocked out my 10 miles, felt fantastic. That was such an inspiring day a month ago. <laughs> True story. This is the first time I've been back on the bike since a month ago. This counts, by the way. I'm counting this towards my minutes. This is a perfect example for me of wanting overwhelming. I got so inspired. I got such a great picture. Oh, yeah, I want to take care of myself. I want to take care of my body. I believe this is a part of worship to God. But when it got hard, when I didn't have my schedule perfectly worked out, was I willing? Was I really willing to like rearrange things in my life to say, no, this matters. This is a priority. Was I really willing to like say no to things or to move things around when it wasn't easy? Was I really willing to get on the bike when I didn't want to? See, this is what it looks like. The difference between wanting and willing. Willingness is the difference between buying the bike and riding the bike. Willingness is the difference between signing up for the gym and, anyone want to guess, showing up at the gym. <laughs> Willingness is the difference between getting exhausted all the time and getting to bed on time. This is a spiritual thing, friends. It's not just about having physical goals and being healthy and all that kind of stuff. That's wanting. Willing is a spiritual shift. Not just about my body, but it's with my mind and my soul. I have to see my body differently. That it's actually the place where the Holy Spirit lives and dwells and moves. And if I'm willing to make that shift, to see it differently, and to do whatever it takes, to do what only I can do to take radical responsibility with my body, here's what begins to shift in however it is that I take care of my body. I begin to see my physical care as a spiritual affair. My physical care, taking care of my physical body as actually a spiritual affair, that this is actually a spiritual thing that I get to do. I am invited to honor God by actually honoring my body. That this actually gets to become a form of worship. This is actually worship to God, saying, God, I believe you've given me this body. I believe the Holy Spirit lives inside of this body. And so when I'm choosing to do whatever it is that only I can do, that's actually a form of of worship. See, people in our culture do all kinds of things to worship their bodies. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about worshiping God with your body, whatever that may look like for you. It's about little shifts, spiritual shifts. It's about sort of daily waging war on willingness. Am I really willing to do whatever it is to take care of this one and only body that God has given me? What would it look like for you to approach your body that way, to see it as a gift from God that God uses to extend his purpose in this world? Like how might that shift and change how you look at simple ways that you and I can actually take care of our bodies if we saw it as a spiritual thing? I'll give you one example from my life that continues to be a place where I find myself unwilling, and that's around sleep. 
For me, sleep is great. I love sleep. But I also like the idea that if I could just stay up a little bit later, I can get a little bit more done. That if I could just kind of cram a few more hours into my day, that I would actually be a more productive person. But you know what every study and every you know, expert shows is that the opposite of that is actually true. By cramming more into your day and getting less sleep, you're actually less productive the next day. And my hunch is you've actually experienced that. So how can I begin to look at sleep as a spiritual thing? Because all the studies show that a lack of good sleep, a lack of good healthy sleep actually leads to greater memory loss. <laughs> that throughout the day, you kind of find yourself having a hard time connecting the dots. It can be traced right back to a lack of good, healthy sleep. It leads to a lack of focus and creativity. For those of you who are sort of in creative endeavors, creative fields, you're actually working against yourself by staying up way too late and kind of trying to fit more in, not getting enough sleep. It actually limits your creativity. It robs your muscles of the opportunity to do what they do while you sleep, which is to actually burn fat. In fact, they found that the, uh, among auto accidents every year, 20% of auto accidents every year can be directly connected to a lack of sleep. People driving tired. Experts say that a good six to eight hours, somewhere in there, is what the body needs to perform at an optimal level. So this is what's so amazing. Sleep. Any one of us can do that. Every one of us does it every day. Sleep can actually become a form of of worship by you going to bed and getting six to eight hours, whatever that looks like sleep, do you know that that's actually a way for you to worship God? Now, I've noticed even looking out here, some of you today are already getting a head start. <laughs> You've been worshiping God through most of my message, so you must really, you must really love God. Imagine that something so simple as that. We have a friend who's really committed to this idea of sleep and taking care of his body this way. In fact, he has a commitment. I think it's at 10 p.m. he's to be asleep. So what that means for him is by 9 o'clock or 9.30 at the latest, he's in bed so that his body can wind down and so that he can get the sleep he needs to perform at an optimal level the next day. What this means is that we've been out with him and his wife at, you know, at events or we've been out with them for dinner. And right around 9 o'clock, he'll go, okay, well, time for me to go. What, no matter where we're at in the middle of what we're doing. In fact, there were a couple couples of us together back around Christmas time, and we were still in the middle of conversations like, well, it's time for me to go. And got up before dessert was served, just kind of got up and left. And, le and for me, I, you, know, you can go, well, that's a little crazy. Is it or is it an incredible vision for his life that would say, I know this is something I can do. All I have to do is close my eyes and my body goes to work. All I got to do is put myself into the place. Am I willing to do that? to experience that kind of refreshing that God has actually masterfully designed your body to do. Everything else kind of in your life, when you turn it off, it's turned off, not your body. When you go to sleep, God is still going to work. And so what would it look like for you this week to say, you know what, I actually want to take my sleep like a spiritual thing. I want to see it as an act of worship. Or what about for you when it comes to what you eat? Have you ever thought about what you eat as actually a form of worship? I think you already know, all of us already know that experts agree that healthy and conscious eating actually leads to less stress in your life. It can improve your mood dramatically. It boosts your energy overall. Here's a fun one. Eating healthy, making just wise choices with what you eat actually leads to less wrinkles later in life. So that's a bonus right there for you. It actually makes you, there have been a ton of studies that have shown that Healthy choices in what you eat actually make you a better employee or a better boss at work. 
has massive effects well beyond just your stomach, how it can affect your whole body. Now, obviously, it helps you live not only better, but eating healthy helps you live longer. Again, eating healthy, is a, it's a willingness thing. It's waging little wars of willingness. It's having a bigger picture for your life than just what's in front of you on your plate. It's remembering that at its core, while food is delicious as far as I'm concerned and delightful and it's, a fun to, it's fun to make and it's fun to share with others, food at its core is fuel for the body. The Bible says that you're meant to enjoy it, but we're not meant to worship it, that it's more than just comfort. And so maybe for you, a shift would be to be willing to really be mindful about what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, whatever that may look like for you. Because the effect, the effect of those little choices that you make a couple times a day can have an unbelievable exponential impact, not only in your physical body, but in how you treat, how you show up, how you love others, and ultimately how you worship God. Last one I already shared with you uh, for me is working out. This should come as no surprise for you. Uh, Working out is good for you. This just in, working out is actually good for you. Now, some people really love to work out, like really, really, really love to work out. And you can tell by looking at their Instagram feed. They really, really, really love to work out. And you know what? We love them with the love of Jesus, okay? We love them. I'm talking to the rest of us, okay, in this place that may not love it that much. You already know that the benefits of working out, some regular form of exercise, doesn't have to be some intense thing, just a regular rhythm of exercise, the benefits are consistently clear. It obviously helps in maintaining and even losing weight, but it actually lowers levels of anxiety and depression. Did you know that when you work out, it lowers your levels of anxiety and depression? Now, when I think about working out, my anxiety levels go up and up and up, but working out actually lowers my anxiety levels and levels of depression. It actually increases your muscle mass and improves your bone density. It actually reduces the risk of chronic disease later in your life. Working out today is an investment in your future self. You taking responsibility for your physical body today is saying to your kids or your grandkids, I'm not going to make my irresponsibility your responsibility one day. Just by working out, a regular rhythm improves your life, not only today, but well beyond today. And here's the fun one, working out on a regular rhythm, whatever that may look like for you, actually helps you sleep better. And so then you get to worship God while you work out, you get to worship God while you sleep. And most studies say that it's somewhere around 30 minutes of some kind of exercise a day, five times a week, has a massive impact on your life, on your longevity. A 30-minute investment Once a day, five times a week can have a huge impact. Now, if you think about that, go, okay, that sounds great, but I don't know where I'm going to find 30 minutes. I mean, that's been me, you know, with the bike. It's like, oh, I really want to do this, but do I really have 30 minutes? Totally legitimate. Like, you got to look at your life, got to look and determine whether you're really willing. But let me just share this statistic with you as well. Do you know that the average American, you want to know how much time they spend on social media a day? An hour and 45 minutes on social media a day. So, 
maybe you have time. Maybe, maybe there's, and if you're a multitasker, then just pedal while you post. Maybe that's the way to kind of get two things done at once. You're going to maximize your time. I think we all have time. It's just a question of whether or not we're actually willing and, and willing to make a spiritual shift to see that this is an investment in my life. And for those of you who work out or who've worked out before or work out consistently, you know how you feel afterwards, don't you? And so maybe God might be lovingly reminding you that there's a part of this, this rhythm of taking care of yourself. It's actually spiritual. And that God has done a masterful work of designing your body, and then he's entrusted it to you. He said, now I want you to take care of what I took so much care in creating. I want you to actually take care of that. Listen, if you want this year of your life to be unlike any other year in your life. If you want to see God grow you and transform you, if you want to actually move from making resolutions to keeping them, from just wanting to live a healthier life to actually being willing to live a healthy life, whatever that may look like for you, it's going to come down to this shift, this spiritual shift of willingness to see your body as God sees it, to see physical care as actually a spiritual affair. That's what's really actually going on here, that God has entrusted you with a masterful work that works masterfully. And so you and I are invited. We've been given the opportunity with this one and only body we've got to honor God as best we can. So what would that look like for you this week, this year? Last week, we gave you a homework assignment of being really specific and saying where you wanted to grow spiritually. I want to include you, uh, encourage you to do the same thing actually again this week. I want you to get real specific right now about what's an area in your life where you want to grow physically, how you want to take more responsibility with your health. What would that look like? Maybe it's around sleep. Maybe it's around eating. Maybe it's around working out. Or maybe it's around an unhealthy habit or addiction you have in your life, but you know how that's harming your life and keeping you from living your life to the fullest as God intended you. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. At some point today, I want to encourage you to post online what it is that you're wanting to make this spiritual shift in when it comes to your body and then get really specific about what you're willing to do. Anyone want to guess what mine's going to be? What will yours be? This last week I told you that one of the places I wanted to shift my spiritual growth is to spend more time in silence and reflection with God. And I can't tell you how awesome it was to get through this week and go, I did it. Got up before anyone else this week, sat in silence in the dark with God, no agenda, no words, just let him be, let myself be with him. Can't tell you what it did to reframe the rest of my day. I wonder what God might want to do in you and through you by making the spiritual shift of willingness when it comes to your body this week. So whatever it is, just post, I want to. I'm willing to, and then put the little hashtag there, SC, wow, willing over wanting, because then that helps us encourage you, get behind you, cheer you on, pray for you. It's fun to see all of us doing this. We're going to move into a time of, of responding to Jesus and worshiping him out of the reality of the wonder of the bodies that he's actually given us. And I can't think of a better way for us to do that than what we're about to uh, celebrate. We're actually going to celebrate, take a moment of remembrance, and to celebrate communion together. And in fact, I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward now. They're going to come forward here and in our lobby and in our overflow spaces as well to pass out these elements. Here's all I want you to do. When you get the elements, just hold on to them. In silence, in reflection, 
Just hold on to these elements as they pass them out to you. And here's what I want you to consider that you may not have even ever considered before. Isn't it interesting as we're talking today about our bodies and our physical bodies, our health and all that that looks like, isn't it interesting to consider that the two things Jesus used that we've been remembering and by all these, you know, last couple hundred, two thousand years is he used his body and his blood. He used two physical things to remind us of the spiritual impact of his death and resurrection. He said, I'm going to give of my body for you. I'm going to pour out my blood for you. I'm going to show you what willingness really looks like as I'm willing to offer my body, my blood, my life for you so that you can actually truly live. The Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his friends there together and he took two simple elements. He took bread and a cup. And he said, I don't ever want you to forget every time you see these on the, on the table, no matter where you are, I want you to be intentional about it, but I also want it to catch you by surprise as you remember my body broken for you, my blood shed for you, for the covering of your sin. I can't think of a better image for us to consider when we consider our own spiritual shifts of willingness when it comes to our bodies than to consider Jesus and what he offered us through his. So as they pass out these elements, we're just gonna sit in a moment of quiet reflection and then I'll lead us through taking these elements and we'll close our time in worshiping together. Bible says that on the night Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends, ultimately arrested for crimes he'd never committed, but was in fact all a part of God's plan all along. On that same night, he gathered those followers together and he took bread and he broke it and he said, let this be a reminder to you of my body, that God came to be with you in physical form. Don't ever forget that, that God came to live this human experience with you. And so together, in remembrance of Jesus' body broken for us, let's take the bread together. And in the same way, Jesus poured out the cup and he said, this cup is to remind you of my blood. It's the only perfect 
and pure blood to ever flow through human veins, sinless in every way. He says, I poured out as a sacrifice, an offering for you. I'm the only one who can do so, and I've done it for you. And then every time you drink of this cup, you remember me in this moment, you are actually declaring God's new covenant, his new deal, his new arrangement, Jesus' life for your life and for mine. So let's take the cup together. And now I'd ask if you would stand and join me in a prayer as we thank God for who he is and what he's done for us. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you that you modeled to us the ultimate willingness when it came to your body, that you not only came to be with us, but that you gave your life, your body, your blood for us. And so, Jesus, we thank you for showing us what it looks like to be willing to even face a cross, willingness to face death on a cross. And so because of what you've done, God, we want to respond to you. We see our bodies as a gift, a place where you've actually decided to take up residence. And so, God, we want to honor you with our bodies. God, help us to make the spiritual shift of willingness this week. God, I really do pray that we would, that any spirit of guilt or shame or any of that sort of stuff, God, all that would be washed away by the power and presence of your reckless love in this place right now. And that we would be reminded, God, that you are encouraging us, you are inviting us, you are compelling us to offer our bodies to you like living sacrifices, like a place of worship to you, God. And so, God, I pray that you would help me do so. I want to do that with you and for you. And God, I pray for every one of my friends gathered here and gathered literally all over the world right now that we would have a movement of conviction, compelling encouragement from you that would lead us to transformation. God, we pray this in your name because of your unbelievable, overwhelming, reckless love. Amen.